And I spread a song so you can sing along with my special guest star too. For two, you like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. everyone welcome back to another episode of life's but a song's second chance theater where we recover a topic but with a new guest i'm your host john and with me today is a returning guest i try to think of something funny right there but my as you saw my brain melted it's tyler henry everyone hey so happy to be back (laughs) and we're here today to recover tommy from 1975 which when you asked to do this i was just like oh damn twist my arm i guess i have to rewatch this <laughs> epic movie um <laughs> previously it was episode 151 with guest jim evans uh but why did you want to recover this topic well i just i love this movie um i had it and i honestly had a bit of a rediscovery with it uh quite a few months ago it was sometime this year um because they were the local independent theater here was playing it as part of uh music city mondays uh in nashville because music city and so i went and saw it and it was a beautiful new 4k restoration and then with that i had the actual surround sound with the quintaphonic mix you know that they originally made for it and uh because my thing is i think i had watched it Again, I've had the Blu-ray forever. I watched it again maybe sometime last year. And I remember thinking then, I was like, well, I liked the first half of it, but the second half kind of, at that time, it it was kind of, it's kind of bad that I thought, well, once he can finally uh, see and hear and speak again, I didn't like him as much, which was kind (laughs) of, which is kind of the point, which we will get into. I realized, but I think watching it on a big screen, it just, in that sound, it was loud, but it was literally... I was literally engulfed in it. Um, I came out with it being one of my new favorite movies of all time. Uh, so with that, I've had a brand new appreciation for it. And then rewatching it last night to get ready for this. I loved every minute of it. That's the thing I was saying about when we get to the flat notes. I don't have any. I, I used to, I would have. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't find any new ones. And my... so there you go. Yeah. The one from last time still holds water, which, you know, We'll talk again later. So I re-listened. Did you get a chance to re-listen to the first chance? I haven't. As you know, I how had a, dare you? I had a really bad week, and then yesterday was kind of scary with it was okay. just a, with a worst panic attack I've ever had. But I'm every I'm good now. We're good. We're all we're all good. We're here to just talk about cults and yeah. um, cults. <laughs> cults. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's what I'm here for. This this movie is just all cults, really. Which, but it is. When you think about it, like in the time period, there was also a shit ton of cults happening. Mm-hmm. Like we had the, um, we were just coming off of the Manson cult. Um, mm-hmm. there was a but like seventies. It's all about like, oh, come join this commune. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess Jonestown. Well, that was seventies. Yeah. And there was, uh, I guess, Heaven's Gate was kind of uh, around that time, too. So it was, or may, I think they kind of meant more in the, I don't know. But in that general, yes, time period, that, that was a big thing. Mm-hmm. So watching this movie, you're like, oh, now this makes 
more set. Well, this makes sense. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love this movie. I could talk for another 17 hours about champagne. <laughs> oh my god. Um, and Margaret yeah. doing the most. <laughs> she makes this movie. She does. I mean, she, but... Yeah. She. Anybody else? I don't think. And playing the mother, and because that is maybe the most important role maybe uh but anybody else i cannot imagine and she's just perfect i would i had a new appreciation for her this watch Mm -hmm. because she wasn't afraid to get dirty and ugly oh yeah like there are some shots of her especially right before smash the mirror or during smash the mirror where she's whipping her hair around (laughs) and like She's making faces. <laughs> I know. It's I mean, so weird. I know she's not do. God, I hope she- if she's doing it on purpose, she's the best actress ever. But like, she's making these weird, like you know, you're whipping your hair and you're just face is just going slack jaw and everything. And I'm like, you allowed this to happen, okay? Go oh, ahead. Yeah. Hey, well, I, I in a way I think it might have been intentional i mean because when she she really did just jump into this full force and you can tell and it's uh because the the reason i said that it, there's i think a couple of the times there's like three times they sing do you think it's all right like before they leave him with cousin kevin and they leave him with uncle ernie and there's a way that you know she's applying her lipstick and she's like singing like that but apparently she she recorded it that way with that in mind before they even filmed her doing it. So she already had in her mind, I'm going to be applying lipstick. I think that's what they said. There's the U.S. Blu-ray. No U.S. release has ever had any special features. Um, so when I had rediscovered this a few months ago, luckily somebody, you know, I well, I had to do what I had to do. I downloaded illegally the um what how uh, dare you admit that on my podcast i know i've uh, yeah it's the worst thing ever um i downloaded somebody had the you uh, like a recent uk blu-ray and they had all the special features and then i was able to just rip those and put them on a jump drive and watch them and i was able to watch it with uh ken russell's commentary with mark kermode so that's when they were talking about that and then so they had cool. a little interview with ann margaret she was talking about how she just jumped into this and uh somewhat out of character for her definitely at the time but it's just so uh, she should have gotten an oscar for this i mean and and i mean that with all sincerity and all seriousness well yeah because like they make her look gross champagne happened and i don't know who would have said yes to that and gone yeah ham with it her makeup makes her look so bad (laughs) but that's the point yeah like at the end i'm not i'm gonna sound terrible when i say this but at the end she looks like she has cancer or something like yeah because there's no makeup there's no makeup she's got the oh unless they the actual makeup people made her paler like they might have yeah in a way and then they have her in that handkerchief that i'm just like (laughs) where's your hair i know so but that's part of the whole you know the ripping off the rings and the the bracelets and the 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 press on nails and you know (laughs) 
<laughs> I, Roger Daltrey. Let's get to him. Uh, <laughs> since okay. we're talking about ripping off the net, the yeah. jewelry. Like, I wrote down I could watch Roger Daltrey try to act blind for hours. He's amazing, <laughs> I think. And again, it's again where I couldn't imagine anybody else playing Tommy in the film version. He's an amazing singer, but him walking around that junkyard. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like that? I like that. Oh no, it's not it's not a question of liking or not. It's a question of is he actually is he a good actor? Oh, uh, well, you know. Cuz he's just like he's more he looks more confused than blind. <laughs> Well, he would be confused, wouldn't you think? True, but he's yeah. just like, I can't see anything. I promise I can't see anything. That was more of a visual cue for Tyler, everyone, but we, yeah. we, you can figure it out. It was, I mean, I, I get your point. That might have been why initially I didn't like him as much once he, he can see and everything. But his voice, I mean, was perfect. It, it's really kind of funny how I did used to like somewhat like this movie but i did i used to if you would have asked me a couple years ago i would have like a lot of critiques about it and i was trying to (laughs) i guess i was trying to find things i didn't like i don't know if that's what i was doing last night but really i was like you know this is really an amazing movie and just visually i think that's my favorite part of it um i don't think they could have had a better director than ken russell which i love him anyway i think he's still pretty pretty underrated I mean, um, in in the first chance, we did talk a lot about remakes and if they remade this. I mean, there's the Goodman Theater in Chicago. They're oh, doing okay. a revival right now, or at least it's over. I don't know. I don't know when this is coming out. So <laughs> I had no idea. This is the first I'm hearing of it. So, yeah, I've seen some video of it. It looks great. And apparently they're like there's talks of it transferring, but who knows? I mean, they always say that when it's an ad when it's I, not on yeah. Broadway. Being like, it's going to Broadway, everyone. But yeah, like waiting for government. We may be going to Broadway. <laughs> yeah. But no, you're not. No, but yes. Like, yeah. yeah. So but like we we talked about a remake of it. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't think this is one that needs to be remade as a movie. I don't either. Um, I think it's kind of of its time, you know. Um, but in a good way. In a good way, yeah. Because usually, when we say that phrase, we we're we're trying to make an apology out of it, but being like, it's a yeah. product of its time. But like this one, oh yeah, not what I meant a, at all. Yeah, this one yeah. is a product of its time, and that is drugs. And <laughs> yeah. And 70s, psych, 70s psychedelia as opposed to the 60s psychedelia, which is very different. Very. I mean, like they got to that in hair at the very end of the 70s with mm-hmm. that. I mean, that Harry Krishna sequence is the trippiest thing ever. I think that's trippier than anything in Tommy, but Tommy's still pretty trippy. So, and I think I, I said that in our hair episode, but I, um, I, don't, I don't know. I think to, I think Tommy beats hair. I'm sorry. On the whole, it does. But I just yeah. know that every time I watch hair, but we're not here to talk about that. We're not we're here to talk about hair. We're talking about, about Tommy, which did parts of it. I remember that I would see it like growing up, like on TV or whatever. Parts of it did really scare me. Um, oh, like, I think you remember what parts? Kind of, I know that I was somewhat disturbed by Anne Margaret rolling around in baked beans and chocolate. That image <laughs> is just so 
And it was funny because, like, I think they were playing it on VH1 Classic, and we got that channel at Belmont, where I went to college, because it was a big music school. And so I, they would play cool movies. To me, they were cool movies like that and Ziggy Stardust movie and Jesus Christ Superstar. So we were watching it, and my, like, straight Italian roommate, I don't know why that Italian part was important, uh, whatever, but... I, I guess it is. If you're but gonna do an accent, like, that's probably why. <laughs> well, he didn't have, but he's from Texas, so he didn't really have that. But he looked like Paul McCartney, and I love that boy, and I miss him dearly. But he was really into Anne Margaret rolling around, it, and I was like, really? And then I know somebody. I've got another friend who, like, I've done theater with, the straight boy, and he was really into that. So I guess it's kind of a sploshing fetish of, of of her rolling around i think that's what it's called with the food i learned that from john waters a long time ago which <laughs> i get like the first thing the suds the bubbles you know it's like a foam party but then and she kind of yeah it, she kind of gives icky. this like orgasmic look to her when she gets hit by the fo- by the suds I, which makes and that i get like if you are a straight boy you're like oh hey margaret and that you know i get that but when the beans hit also then, i like, have who's to gonna s- clean this up who's gonna clean up this mess yeah i have to say watching it it feels like they only had the one take oh they had to for yeah. unless they're like I mean, we're going to have to clean up and it has to be the next day. Like, it can't just be an easy, like, mm-hmm. clean for 15 minutes and then go. Like, that I mean, really had to destroyed. They, that had to be one of the last things they filmed. I mean, just because of that. And I think she broke... She cut I her hand. I think she, like, sliced her hand open. She, yeah, she did. And then, they, and then they took her and they did stitches and then, like, the next day, and then she's still doing that. So I was trying to look for that. Uh, which they were very clever, I think, to hide that. Uh, but she that's, again, how she was so into this. And think of any other sort of, you know, redheaded sex symbol from the 50s, 60s, who, you know, had a thing with Elvis Presley, which we know they were together. So, um, <laughs> you know, it, anybody, you can't imagine anybody else doing that, you know. So it was, I'm very, I'm very yeah. grateful to her. I know, I know a bunch of like people of today um, who would be like, "Yeah, I'm down to roll around." And today they do anything, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, but then you know, seventy five. I mean, that was still kind of so. It's it, it's just amazing. Somebody of her stature already, which I think is great. I mean, like I said, she makes this movie. Yeah, I mean, but like, I agree with you. But I also feel like the cameos help make this movie oh definitely well okay who i really think makes this movie is tina turner i knew you were gonna say her i knew it. oh she's i mean anybody again anybody else i i think the casting was so perfect i even love oliver reed do i think they maybe should have dubbed his voice yes maybe but that was my flat from the first chance is his i think that's the only flat i have Yeah. yeah and a lot of a lot of people have criticized jack nicholson too but i actually think he's really good I mean, he doesn't really sing. He does like more of like the singing speak talk. singing. Yeah. 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 But like, he's not in it long enough for me to like have that sort of opinion on him. I feel like yeah. he's, he's just 
there. It's that one scene. Yeah. It's, I think so. I think that's it's kind of in a way unfair to for the the criticism that he has gotten for that. Now, and I if think for he the was, character, it's perfect. Yeah. If he was doing a song, a la Acid Queen, like you know how it's just them singing and it's a mm-hmm. their song and everything. I think we could have a little bit more words to say on it, but because his song isn't really about him singing. Oh no. Them giving some exposition to be like, okay, well got to move the story along. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I again think he was perfect for that. And it's so, because it's so strange to see him pop up the the first time you watch it and you're like, that's Jack Nicholson. Of course, you know who it is. (laughs) And you're like, Oh, he can kind of sing, you know? And, uh, I, I just think he plays that part so perfectly. Yeah. I want to find somebody who who looks at me like Jack Nicholson looks yeah. at Anne Margaret. Absolutely. I knew you were going to say that too. <laughs> I was just like, oh, those are some lusty eyes right there. Yeah. <laughs> but like, he is great. Um, uh, Elton John, amazing. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, like especially when he shows up too, he there's like a a still shot of him, like perfectly framed in in the center and everything, and it's like, hi guys, get ready. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, um, it's so good. It's so good. Like, and then Ev- Eric Clapton and Eric and... Clapton is great, and then mm-hmm. also, um fuck what's his name i keep i forgot his name even the last time too paul williams oh paul nicholas yeah paul, paul nicholas. nicholas fucking amazing i love cousin kevin if i know he's so evil I, i'm oh i meant the role i love the role of cousin kevin if there's uh, oh, a, yeah no i know no I, if there's a chance i i may i may if if tommy happens somewhere near me i may just audition to be cousin kevin <laughs> oh yeah I love that song. It's ter- it's a bad I know it's not a bad song. It's a bad song to cuz it's the a villainous song. Oh yeah. And that's all I mean by that. But like it's so much fun to yeah, play the play the villain. And you could tell oh, yeah. he, he's having fun. Oh yeah, and it's it's so there's such joy in that villainy, you know, which I get, you know. And uh I like because oh I that was another one that that freaked me out like because I was like oh my god he's so mean like when I was little like when I was younger watching it oh yeah because I think it used to play like on some of the like the you know uh, digital cable channels like the movie channels like that and the thing that still weirds me out which I'm you know I'm the movies I love I'm used to weird imagery but when he's like got that uh, pantyhose on his head and that his nose is smushed it's yeah, almost. Yes. <laughs> it's almost worse than Willem Dafoe with that look, which that's pretty bad in Wild at Heart, that David Lynch movie when he's got, it's completely different movies. But so I guess it's just that look of somebody having a pantyhose on their head. It distorts their and, face. And that, that nose, you know, being like that. It's just horrible. Um, but that that was kind of disturbing. And I remember the Acid Queen sequence really disturbed me. Uh, when that's I was another younger. one I could talk about for days. But it's so perfect. But it's, the snakes and then the whole idea of he's in there and these needles are going in. 
and then she's just so deliciously scary in that so, face that face she makes at the end where she's you know her with that and know, it's the angle too where it's like, it's like yeah kind of of a dutch angle but also not a flattering angle which again mm-hmm. she's another one who co-signed on that to not look beautiful i mean she's beautiful but like oh yeah look ugly and grotesque terrifying yeah 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 because okay so a whole acid queen thing i understand in the term in the world of the movie um and margaret the mom is trying to like find a religious and maybe a medical reasoning for why tommy is not Mm -hmm. uh responsive i don't understand oliver reed's motive behind <laughs> hiring the acid queen like what is I don't either plan? or i don't I know like or repeat i feel like it's kind of the stepdad thing of you know it's just him with tommy so mom's not around and he's trying to i think give him a good time loses because he's like because like, like yeah i think to me that's part of it it's kind of that old trope of the father taking the son to the whorehouse, you know, which I've always had a problem with, which luckily my, you know, I, uh, any, I won't go into that, which uh, that didn't happen to me, obviously. But But I was was like, why, what was your idea? Cause it looked like Anne Margaret was suffering, trying to figure out what's wrong with her son. Mm -hmm. Understandably so. Cause it's Mm -hmm. all psychosomatic and all that. Yeah. She doesn't know that. But then, he for the amount of time because there's a huge time jump between the mm-hmm. murder of Tommy's actual uh, biological father and then mm-hmm. I said I said to the blind yeah like I was like <laughs> this time around I'm just like what is your what is your motivation what <laughs> he's just not a good guy Oliver Reed I mean I, that and I think it was maybe it was some sort of or i think in his mind he thought he was being a good guy because tommy is older and he's giving him that sexual experience but again she's obviously using acid on him I, or i don't know maybe he thought that would wake him up i i don't know see that's the thing oh, there's still yeah. like a lot of things that are obviously very unclear in well, this and, movie and yeah. also watching it i was taken by the colors oh yeah because i was like there's so there's something here and i don't know what it is because like cousin kevin it's all yellow and i'm yeah. like yeah that's always that bothered me it, it, intentionally well, yeah but like is it because he's the darkness kevin cousin kevin's the darkness and so they're just showing you the juxtaposition between that or or like you know what's the significance of the green jackets which it took me until Mm -hmm. this viewing to realize at christmas tommy's wearing one of the green jackets he was talking about with frank and bernie's holiday camp he is and i didn't even really notice that you know something weird that i only noticed last night though too is when he um sings i'm free and there's like those fi- there's those two fishermen that he runs past. They end up being on the staff of his holiday camp. Oh, they the use stage. this movie uses everyone. 
yeah, but they'll like pop up and then they reappear. And that's like intentionally. Yeah. Um, which I never noticed, but it's like the guy with the mustache and then and the guy who's like Indian looking or, or something, you know. And uh-huh. because I for sure saw him later on, but I didn't know he was one of the fishermen. And then I saw the other fishermen when they're all sitting on the stage behind him during Sally Simpson. When that she's makes there. sense because in um I think it's before Sensation, there's like you just mm-hmm. see the groups of people. And then you're yeah. like, why are these random people here? But then it makes, but then later, yeah, because they end up going to the camp. What I also revolting, you know. Yeah. What I also noticed is in Tommy's Holiday Camp. That's the name of the song. Before they all put in their sensory canceling corks. I know. Like, uh, there's the guy. There's a guy who's drinking beer and Tommy tells him to stop drinking beer, but he has mm-hmm. like, it spilled all over him. And then you, you see that guy later on still with the beer all over his shirt. And I was like, that is so smart. I mean, I get probably while filming it, they're like, we don't have another shirt for you. Sorry, dude. Sorry, my guy. Well, that, that, and I, you know, and then I think he's the one that ends up stabbing Frank. He is. So that's interesting. But, but it's Frank like he's is doing the same thing at the beginning of Christmas with the Newcastle. It's pouring all down his face. Well, this movie is a giant palindrome. I realized that this time. <laughs> it really is. It's very bookended. Because from the yeah, very first shot to the very last shot. Yeah. Because first and last shot, and we talked about this in the first chance, it's the sun behind uh, creating the, uh, a silhouette um behind mm-hmm. a character the first shot it's tommy's dad and the last shot it's tommy mm-hmm. but then you go into the chaos of everything and mm-hmm. so like in the opening it's the war that's happening and they're walking through the war torn village and you see the girls in gas masks with feathers on them <laughs> but then at the end it's tommy walks through um after the mob destroyed his place and i was just like i don't know if this is actually the same and i probably should go back and figure that out but like it's really close yeah it is and it's i'm trying to remember i think the fire that happened when you see the pier on fire i think that was an accident and they did film it they filmed the firemen actually trying to put it out and i think then they went back and set stuff on fire which but it's in a way it makes sense it's because of that bookend like you said it's the chaos and it only makes sense to have that before you get to the shock with the sun that opened the movie so it's really i mean it, it's really interesting that this film adaptation does have so many layers and it was really ken russell just listening to the original album and creating these images coming up with these images in his mind, I think it's kind of like what Norman Jewison did for Jesus Christ Superstar two two years earlier. Because that movie was just based on the album. Mm, so it's, but, and you had really interesting sort of coincidental things happen with that one. I mean, like the shepherd that's walking his sheep at the very end, that wasn't planned. And it just happens when you see the cross and the sunset, you know. So things like that sort of divine intervention however you want to say it it's just very interesting um although with this one i feel like if anything was a mistake they then had to like work it in to justify it 
I think that was the case with the fire when everything's yeah. on fire at the end because the pier caught on fire because that was the same pier that they're at. I think when Sally Simpson, when she's going into that, because it kind of looks the same and it somehow caught on fire and the firemen were there, but they were just filming. They took advantage of it and were filming that. And I think they, I think that I've got to watch it again with the commentary, but I think they went back and set it on fire for Roger Daltrey to walk through. So that would make sense, you know? So, but it works. Um, no, one thing I was going to, I was wanting to say, cause you were talking about kind of the colors um, with cousin Kevin yellow uh acid queen being all red of course we you know uh, now something that's interesting with uncle ernie is in the version that we have in the states that whole scene with uncle ernie is pretty blue bluish or well definitely is when like tommy goes to bed um on the uk release which is the one i have that has the commentary it's all green tinted interesting so yeah, so I think it was like color corrected on the U.S. releases. Um, that's really the main difference, and it, it does have this greenish tint about it, which kind of makes sense. But at the same time, maybe the blue makes more sense. But Uncle is there, Ernie, that's is there yeah. still like the two minutes of black screen where he, <laughs> yeah, it feels it feels like two minutes, but yeah, where he's not have not diddling Tommy everyone. Slurping. He's yeah. not doing that at all. We know what he's doing. We've all always known what he's doing. Uncle Frank knows what he's doing, or stepdad Frank. Well, it's interesting because I feel like, and it took me again this time uh, with my mind wandering wherever the depths it went to <laughs> this time. Yeah. It feels like they downplayed it. Mm hmm. The 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 <laughs> pedophilia. Yeah. yeah. Well, not well. Is it because how old is he supposed to be? How old is Tommy supposed I to be? I thought he's still supposed to be a teenager. Really? Underage? Yeah. I thought he was. I know it's Roger Daltrey, but yeah, I think he's Roger supposed Daltrey to was still be not a teenager. <laughs> oh, definitely not. I've understood it always that way. My point is, I feel like in the movie, mm-hmm. they may have turned it down a little bit on that and played more into him stealing stuff (laughs) maybe but it's the whole i mean there's the dead giveaway is in the lines of like down with the bed sheet up with your nightshirt it's like i mean younger i was like but that but what's happened but like the actions that he's doing is Mm -hmm. like he's rummaging through parts of the room and stealing stuff and then he had he when he opened his trench coat earlier because he's got his like bag you know of all his just weird stuff that he or is that is that his bag i thought he was yeah oh okay no it's his bag he brought that had an egg in it that he cracks into his beer at the very beginning and it looks so gross (laughs) and then he's got his rubber gloves that he puts on to dial and like crank call someone just going (laughs) you know like that and (laughs) That's great for me to do after having a panic attack yesterday. Uh, anyway, I thought, so I thought it okay. I didn't re- I didn't register that it was his bag. I thought he was yeah, stealing like doc- stuff it's from like, like... Harry Poppins bag of like weird stuff because uh, it's got like was there like a bra in there or something? No, well, yeah. it's stuff. It's not. That's not in Tommy's room. He brought it, and then he opens up thing. his trench coat. It's those weird little. I don't even know what those are. Like when bungee. I thought. 
Oh, it's it's a girl. It's a it's a a girdle or or a corset or something. Oh, I guess it is, but it's like these bungee strings because he hey, can. He's tightening like... it. He's tight. But tight. oh, his trench coat's got all that stuff. It's got like a one of those like hot water bottles. There. He opens up his trench coat as if he's a flasher, and, and there's, yeah, there's all shit in it. And I didn't this when I thought it was him stealing stuff from the house. That's what I thought it was like mm. all stuff he's stolen. But maybe no. it's his toys. I think it's his toys, his tools. Oh no! And that hot—I think it's a hot water bottle, but I think that's been used before for enemas and stuff. So <laughs> I just, you know, he's not a good guy. No, he's not. But I love guy. his song, <laughs> and I feel like, as horrible as this may sound, like you said, you want to play cousin Kevin. I want to play Uncle Ernie. <laughs> I think I'd be a good pervert, playing a pervert. Yeah, you know. I, I I bet my roommates are here listening to me. Like, what the fuck is he talking about? Like, they should know. <laughs> Tommy, there's one guy. There's one Tommy. guy that just moved in, but he's known me for a while, so he should know. He shouldn't be. <laughs> um. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, have you seen the stage version? Yeah, I've never seen a stage version. Um, I think it's been done not very often locally. Before. Well, I don't think I was here in Nashville when it was done. I've never seen it on stage. I've never listened to the original Who album all the way through. So this is an instance where all I know is the movie. Um, in a you way. may like the 93 cast album. Yeah, I need to listen to that. The, uh, the Broadway cast of it. Because it's... Um, th- the lyrics are different, obviously. They had to change some stuff around. And mm-hmm. there's more of an ensemble presence. Yeah. Yeah. Where there is in the movie, but like, but it's yeah, it fluctuates. Mm-hmm. Obviously, oh, for stage show, they only have a right, set. Yeah. They have a set number of people that they can use. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's probably not as big crowd scenes and, and stuff. I'd imagine. Yeah, I'd be very interested to see it on stage. Um, I think I'd probably love it even more. It'd probably be the same way with hair. I mean, for the longest time, all I knew of hair was the movie, which we all know was radically different. Um, and then I loved it even more fun. I finally saw an actual fully staged cause I think I'd seen an in concert version. So that opened me up to more of the music that wasn't in the movie. And, um, but yeah, uh, but at the same time, I mean, so this is very much Ken Russell's vision, uh, vision of Tommy, mm-hmm. but being a big Ken Russell fan for a long time, that's why I've always been on board with it. So, but that's me. I. I mean, the the stage version. I've never, I've never seen it. I'm yeah. really looking forward to this to the Goodman one if it's going to transfer. God, I hope so. Um, yeah. But like, there's just something about this movie, and <laughs> I think it's the drugs. <laughs> you don't even have to take drugs to watch it. You feel like you're on. You drugs feel like it. you're on, especially. Especially during Sensation when he's, or no, I'm free when he's mm-hmm. running <laughs> clearly on a green screen, <laughs> but he's on a wave and then he's underwater and you're like, but it doesn't match up. It's like doesn't make sense. No. And that was when people were laughing in the theater when I saw it a few months ago. Oh yeah, which I get, and I feel like, I, in some ways, I feel like maybe that's intentional humor. Uh. And knowing Ken Russell, 
there's definitely a, a humor and kind of a kind of a winking at you in, in a lot of his work. Not so much like the devils, but um stuff like that. But I I do think there's maybe an an intended cheekiness of this. I think definitely when we first see Oliver Reed at the holiday camp, at Bernie's holiday camp. because uh, the way he acts is just <laughs> Like when he pops out from behind the lovely legs competition and then he's just yeah. like doing all these like really exaggerated faces. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Right. But, but, I love the, it. but, but then there was something about the way that he, when he picked Anne Margaret and was like, he he's just so gross. And like, I know he's going up her leg. And well like... that, and then he's whispering in her ear and he is, I mean, we know he's flirting with her, but like, yeah. It's it's something to be said though about a character that you're introduced to and you're like you're disgusting and we're going to and oh, I'm yeah. stuck with you now for the next however long the rest of the time you're here in this Yeah. Well, the first time you wonder, well, you can kind of tell he he's going to be in it for the long haul, yeah. He is, but then But he's got to like, create that conflict, yeah. Yeah, you're not rooting for him mm. when he when he dies, you're like, okay, cool. Yeah, it breaks my heart when Anne Margaret dies. Yeah. But with Frank, no. Yeah, I I I don't really Here's here's the thing with Frank. In my with this adaptation cuz the one thing I do know about the original album and then the stage version is that it's actually Frank that gets killed and then Tommy's mm-hmm. dad, and Tommy's biological dad survives. I kind of like the idea of Frank. I don't like the idea, but I think it makes a more interesting story. For Frank to be the one to murder him, you know, because then you're and, on and now. That makes more sense for Tommy to go into the shell shock, right? Of like you didn't hear it, you didn't see it. You killed. You won't it, say nothing it, to know about well, because it's because then it's a stepfather story, mm-hmm. and like, and I I might be bringing some of my own personal trauma from that to it, watching it of the stepdad that I had for a, a time period, and notwithstanding that he kind of looks like him in the face Oliver oh. Reed I you know what we may be uncovering some sort of therapy I thing did not here. mean for this to be a therapy episode everyone <laughs> well I have no it's <laughs> I might need it because I haven't gone to therapy about it. no it was you know it's really <laughs> you kind of bring things to it you definitely I mean anything you watch any piece of art if you truly invest yourself you are going to bring your own experiences to it which is the point, um, good or bad. And it's just like, if I'm in theater, like when I was doing Curious Incident of the Dog in the nighttime playing Christopher, I had to find personal experiences to try to imagine what that would be like to be a teenager on the autism spectrum, you know, it was along with that research. So I had to use, I had to use some of that with scenes in which the mother's lover was very abusive in my face. It it wasn't too much. It wasn't quite to that point, luckily, in real life. But it felt like that with the stepfather I had for a while. So I see that in Frank when I when I watch this and the whole like having to shut down. And if you want to look at it as a way of not being able to be yourself, because I was never really what he thought a little boy should be. Imagine that, um, you know, so I don't mean to laugh. I'm so sorry to laugh. But. No, you know, it's right. It's it's because we can't laugh about it now because we've gotten past it, you know. 
but it's like i guess i got on this tangent i didn't think i would but i think it's good for me too um you know that's kind of how i look at it and i think that makes more sense to me for that to be that makes more sense for that to be more traumatic to tommy to then totally just like total wall can't hear can't see can't speak and uh yeah i guess <laughs> so good luck finding your little your bubble quotes to get out of there at that point. <laughs> I mean, i'm sure you will use that in your posts uh, I'll, 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 I'll use something them. but like I, yeah, but it, i agree with feel you feel free to yeah feel free to yeah <laughs> i agree Seriously. with you though it does makes it makes a better story mm-hmm. because I think because I feel then like he would be as upset about his body you know it's more traumatic that his biological dad is finally there he's never seen him they think he's died and right, he's he only seen him. pictures of him yeah because he's got the picture of him on his nightstand and then he thinks he sees him. So this little boy, he gets up out of bed. And then what does he see? And how does he die by a lampshade? Not lampshade, but a lamp? I guess. How did Aunt Margaret die by a wine bottle being... <laughs> well, that makes a little bit more sense. Because, well, it just lacerated her face. Like, I don't know. Maybe she had a heart attack, too. With I don't know. The shock of it all. <laughs> Because um, we know Oliver Reed, obviously, he gets stabbed in the, you know, when that guy's got his... He gets stabbed. Yeah, of course. That that one is a real death. And then Roger Daltrey, if you notice, when he's like, it's really beautiful, too, I think, though, still, how he puts their hands together. But he's trying to sing and do that, and his foot, like, totally, like, kicks Oliver Reed in the head when he's doing that. And you can kind of see Oliver Reed be like, oh, I'm supposed to be dead. Like, because I would have the same reaction, like, what the, you know, like, oh, I'm supposed to be dead. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So they're they're probably just like, just keep it, just keep, just keep going. It's like everybody's <laughs> everybody's muddy and bloody, and oh my god, we've been we're out in the cold now. And, so just, and Margaret just, is in a wet costume for the tenth time. <laughs> oh my god, bless her heart. Yeah, that and another thing I noticed, which is probably was not as easy to notice before we had a 4K TV showing a Blu-ray. You know, like I was watching it on a Blu-ray copy. But like it looked like um, Elton John, there was one shot where he was looking at the camera or looking, and then he wasn't, or he wasn't supposed to be looking where he was looking, but not being an actor, and it's probably something that you wouldn't have been noticed back then. But I noticed, you know, watching it now, there Eric is Clapton had a bit of that too. There is one girl in Christmas mm. when the camera is like zooming in and out really fast at the very end of the oh, song. Yeah. She's like looking everywhere, but where she's supposed to be. <laughs> oh, I haven't noticed that. Oh, yeah, and she's like right in the middle of the clump, so you're you're seeing her look everywhere but at Tommy. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to see now when I rewatch it. So. And it's all Ivy's. I mean, the <laughs> just like all I ever see when I watch Grease too now, which we talked about that. Now. Yeah, it's the peak of the peekaboo moment. Yeah. <laughs> which you've been good this episode i have to say i don't unless (laughs) unless you're gonna surprise me in the last few minutes and be like roger daltrey is so sexy anyway i mean he is he's not really my type i don't really i don't think i've got really anybody in this movie that i want to (laughs) fuck what got me 
is his eyes. Oh, his eyes. But the only thing that kills me is that little boy who I think is perfect playing the little boy. The eyes don't match. Because you end on his brown eyes, and all of a sudden you've got Roger Daltrey's glaringly blue blue eyes. And they didn't, I guess they didn't have color contact. Well, they had something, because, like, they made Linda Blair's eyes white in The Exorcist. But, like, what, what I... I'm more. I'm now thinking of like Sally Simpson, where in her room there's the posters of him, oh, and yeah, it's very Jesus all like, like whitewashed, but like his eyes are just so piercing blue. And you know what's really interesting about that? So I did take a trip to Kansas City recently, and I was just running around. I saw Sparks, you know, for the fifth time. Huh? And then, um, which is why I need to listen to the Annette episode. I haven't listened to that yet, but. Um, I was, you know, my aunt was just really cool about there's all these really neat record shops. And I was in like one of my favorites, like the last day before I got on the plane to come back to Nashville. And there was a Roger Daltrey solo album in one of the, you know, stacks I was looking at. And it came out years after this. But the image they used is that image that Sally Simpson's uh, room is is wallpapered in. I was like, well, I mean, they had it to work with. So I don't know how the (laughs) album is. I'm not um, a huge Who fan. I mean, nothing. It's just not been, a, you know, but I love the music of Tommy. Before we get to start from flat, I'm glad you brought up Sparks. Because yeah. oh, <laughs> in a in a post-John, post-John watching Annette world that we're in right now, hmm. I saw a lot of like what they may have borrowed from this movie in Annette. Oh, yeah. Because, like, Shady and I in that episode were talking about how Annette is um, being uh, used by her dad because mm-hmm. for uh, of for money and everything. And I was just like, well, that's basically what Frank is doing in this movie. Oh, totally. Yeah. Because, like, so you know. That's a big parallel. Yeah. Frank. They're hard. They're hard luck on, on their time, on their money, and everything. And then all of a sudden, they find him in the junkyard, and Frank makes him now the pinball king. And then, but yeah. then, like when Tommy invites everyone to stay in his house when he starts the cult of Tommy, uh, mm. they start selling things. And so I was just like, "This is a lot." I'm seeing this like this is similar to Annette. Like yeah, and I hadn't thought about that, but that I think is a very very strong parallel to draw there, uh, where it's this gift then that's being exploited. His gift is pinball, which that's another thing. I still well, don't no, his gift is being Jesus. Oh well, yeah, thinking he's Jesus, so that's it, you know. Or then, and well, they facilitate that, and then we see where that gets him. Um, where but, I mean, that, this is having that voice, you know, yeah, and like this isn't. Tommy, because like a lot of cults, the leader is the one that is trying to (laughs) steal the money and everything and, you know, sell you on on horse shit. Uh, Mm -hmm. I feel like, though, Tommy is just saying words and then it's his dad. It's Frank who's reaping the benefits. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You see the face he makes the Tommy's holiday camp at the very beginning. He comes out and sees everybody flocking in. And he's like this very giddy. So he's, that's totally yeah. what it is. I mean, he's all about the money. And, you know, and you have to think about it. Tommy spent like his whole life basically 
not hearing, seeing, or or you know, speaking. And when he's finally out of that, Anne Margaret is saying, you know, you're this, you're a hero, you're a star, you're this and that and everything. So that builds up a very like Christ-like complex, I think, where he he believes that he's the leader of all these of all these people. So that makes it more tragic in a way. And that when I realized that, you know, watching it again in the theater room, when I got that new appreciation for it, because I didn't like Tommy as the character originally, I was like, you're not Jesus. There's nothing special, you know, why are you doing this? But then you realize he's kind of made to believe that in a way he's kind of brainwashed by Frank and all these people around him, his family and into and it's facilitated and it's allowed to uh, or it's enabled because of the money that's coming in and because they can they can just get all this money from people. So that's the cult aspect of it. And also like some televangelists to you know reap the benefits of of that and that's getting away from the actual message that's a whole other thing though so do you have anything else you want to talk about though before we get into strap and flat no i've rambled on enough don't you think (laughs) my realization self-realization of i didn't i I, I didn't know trauma oh yeah projecting onto tommy which no, I don't think it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I let's get, to, get into that. Yeah. Let's get into sharp and flat, shall we? Yes. Sharp flat. So in this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp, and if we didn't like it or thought it could change, it's flat. And seeing that this is the second chance, we're going to see if John agrees with his former sharps and flats. So the time is yours, Tyler. Go. Uh, the sharp for me, I guess the biggest sharp is just the overall visuals of this movie. It's such a treat, really, to just sit and just bask in it. And that's all Ken Russell. Um, and and the practicality of everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, and the ideas that came for, I mean, because you have to give him credit for these visuals. Like I said, he was listening to the album and this is how he saw it playing out and pete townsend agreed with pretty i think most of it so you know just the whole idea of the thing that still gets me is the Marilyn monroe church i love that it's so weird but it makes it's such a commentary on idol worship you know and celebrity kind of maybe ahead of its time in a way where we got that Oh, it's even worse today. But I was going to say, and still like another cult. Oh, yeah. And it's again, it's like, yeah, it's Marilyn Monroe. She's great. But they think, you know, they're singing that she's got the power to heal you. No, I mean, but it's like this hero worship and and celebrity worship. Um, There's so many things like that. And I think a lot of the, I think it inspired a lot of, uh, future filmmakers so i think it was ahead of its time in that way i think ken russell's style and again i just can't imagine any other director i think he was the perfect sort of for like you uh the way you called it chaos that's in the story uh Mm -hmm. he's perfect for that he's he's he was a madman in the and to me in the best sense so that's a big sharp obviously the music um i know there was a lot of there were some changes made for the movie there were some new things written for the movie um to kind of facilitate that storyline. Um, I think it's all great. You know, like I used to have like an issue with some of the songs. I'm mean, like, uh, 
some of the lyrics, I guess that's in my flats. Okay. So those are my sharps. So my flats, God love him, but Oliver Reed's voice. I'm sorry. Who do you prefer, him or Pierce Brosnan in, in Mamma Mia? I've actually never seen Mamma Mia. So okay. uh, I've heard about I've heard about Pierce Brosnan though. Um, well, let's 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 at least say that at least uh, Oliver Reed is at least better than what I at least remember of Russell Crowe in, in Les Miserables. Wow! Made, Shots I almost, fired. I almost wanted to punch through the TV. I'm not kidding. And I went and sold that Blu-ray. I bought it when it came out, and I sold it to like a used movie store here in Nashville right after i'm like this sucks i'm sorry anyway because i hate that movie version love the show <laughs> anyway but and russell crowe was the main reason i hated it uh anyway so he's at least better than that no it's really it's kind of it is horrible because as an actor i think oliver reed was fantastic i think and i think he was perfect to play frank and he was somebody that Ken Russell used a lot and he's perfect as like father I mean one of my favorite movies of all time that you still is still not available in the states after 42 years is uh no after 52 years is the devils um and that's a true story where he played further Urbe and Grande and um so as an actor he's amazing uh I think they should have used a different voice in some way, but in some ways, then it's kind of perfect that he's a bad singer. So maybe that isn't a, a flat for yeah, me. Yeah, because he doesn't. Because this is an opera, and I'm calling it an opera. There's no oh, it totally is an opera, just like Jesus Christ Superstar is. Yeah, um, it kind of puts importance on what he's singing then, because yeah. he he's he's not a singer. He's not. He doesn't sing. He doesn't sing a lot. He doesn't say a lot in the whole thing. If you really no. think about it, um, yeah. So it really puts importance on hit on what he says, as well as how he acts without mm. saying any words. And I think that yeah, makes like yeah. a better villainous character, better antagonist. Yeah. Yeah. So I honestly, you know what? I may take that flat back then. I mean, because really, more oh no, he, he he's it, still terrible at singing. You can flat that, but like I, but I think in this character though, it works. Like I even love how it's like it's the worst almost during "Go to the Mirror" with Jack Nicholson when Oliver Reed's singing, because um, <laughs> when he coughs and they they wisely like on the soundtrack album, all you hear is Anne Margaret. So they were like, okay, this is where we can actually take him down. Uh, but in the movie, like when he coughs that cigar smoke on the check, he's like, I wish I knew. I mean, it's kind of perfect for the character. So I think it works. It is, it's not, you know, so if I'm just listening to it, like the album, I am kind of thankful that it's just Anne Margaret who can sing, obviously. Uh, watching the movie, I think it's great to have him with that horrible voice. So yeah. I'm so conflicted still on this movie, you know, and like I, I said, it did really, it really became one of my favorite films of all time, just because I was just, it was like I was seeing it for the first time, uh, watching it in that theater, and just, I just took it with me, and I immediately, like, got uh, myself a toy 
on Amazon, which was like a little Bluetooth transmitter. So I could use my AirPods because we just don't have the setup and I'm not going to spend that money to have like Got an it. actual surround sound setup. But that way I could use my spatial audio AirPods and listen to the original Quintaphonic mix. And that just blows me away because it's like then it can create that. And Ooh. even though like my roommates still don't get it, like they'll come through and they're like, why are you watching a movie with no sound? And I'm like, what? Because it's like I've got it, you know, in my ears. <laughs> I just love this movie, you know? There's it's not really great. much. I, there's not much I don't like. One of my favorite sequences is Sally Simpson with that being Ken Russell's daughter. And you can tell it's her, that face. And I love her little Frankenstein monster husband. Still don't that understand is, why, but I, I don't care. I don't. It's because it's Ken Russell, and it's yeah. it's. I love the colors. I love that shot at the end where he's like just stomping, and he's got the cowboy hat, and he's on stage, and those teenage girls are just like, and she's sitting there with the baby carriage, and she's looking at her rings and her fur. And all of a sudden, she's like forty five years old, or supposed to be. Yeah, she was no, like twelve that, at the time. Yeah, she's twelve, but she has the actress has the gravitas of like a 45 year old woman. And I'm like, how? Cause she looks like a little Ken Russell with long blonde hair. But I think, yeah. And it, it was also the styling and her getting the nails just right on her face and everything. Oh, she's perfect. I mean, her. And it's, I, I just love that sequence so much. And it makes sense that I love that they keep her like the same, like young actress when she's supposed to be older and that he's still a little boy playing this with the Frankenstein monster. It's it's just, there's so many things in this movie that are so weird, but to me makes sense. And you wouldn't see that in any other movie. But it uh, just works. So do I agree with my former Sharps and Flats? Yes. Yeah. So I have new Sharps, though. Um, I don't really have any new thoughts because like even saying Oliver Reed singing, I mean, it, it's bad. It is bad. But like, it's not. <laughs> yeah. It's not Russell Crowe bad. <laughs> it's not Russell Crowe. It's not Pierce Brosnan. He's like, mm-hmm. okay. And like I said, they did, he's not singing a lot, Oliver Reed. So it's not. Right. Yeah. It's not like he's. <clears throat> It, like his, his and Anne Margaret's roles switched and he's singing all the time. And you're like, oh, two hours of him <laughs> singing? Jesus Christ. Oh, God. Now that would be torture. But yeah. I want to sharp the the practicality of everything. Mm-hmm. Like watching the Iron Maiden, um, those giant pinballs. That's a set I piece. Know. Spray painted silver. I mean, everything was made. You know, yes. there's some animation, but even that just it works, you know. Um, I it's, also I want to strip all the cameos, all of them. Oh, yes. Perfect casting. Perfect casting. And then I think I'm going to copy you and sharp the music. I didn't do that last time. And mm-hmm. and that's what this is. It's all music. So obviously oh, yeah. it's amazing. And, you know, watching this after after Tina Turner passed away, I'm just like, okay, you're still amazing. And we have you in this. That's what, yeah, that was what, this is what I know her and love her best for. And that was just so shocking when I got the news that she passed, 
the first thing I did was go to YouTube to find the full length clip of the of Acid Queen and watch it and, and post it. And I in played addition it too. to <laughs> I know. And it then in addition it. to, you know, what posting her with David Bowie in the eighties and uh and now that's something that was interesting. I think the there was a rumor that they were trying to get David Bowie to play the Acid Queen. As much as I you know I love him, he's my number one hero, it's kinda hard to imagine, you know. And a year later, or at the time he was filming uh, Man Who Fell to Earth, his first movie. So that that he was a total Ooh. perfect fit for. Uh, Tina Turner, though, is just, just she just jumps into that with such glee. And I love the very last shot, that laugh that she has. And then she's tapping the, the needle. No, her, for me, it's before the final tag of the song. Uh, where when Alva Reed comes in the room and she's shimmying, oh my god! And it like pans up from her feet to the hem mm. of her skirt, and yeah. you see the needle and everything. And then that face just comes out of nowhere, and it's just you know, Jack Black. Actually, did you know? Have you seen Tenacious D's Tommy Medley? No. You need to see that. It's on YouTube, and it's only like three minutes long. They did a video for it a couple years ago, and it's uh, Jack Black and. I can't remember the other guy's name. I'm not Kyle? like a huge tenacious D. Kyle, yeah. And Kyle's Tommy, so he's got that blonde wig. But Jack Black is the pinball wizard in the Elton John garb. He's Anne Margaret. He's in drag, and he a bearded drag, and he looks amazing. And he's Tina Turner. So it, it cut uh, near the end of it. He's like doing that face of, you know, thing. It's so good. You got to watch it. Actually, I'm gonna find. I'll find it and uh, and send it. I even like, yeah. I even got the audio of it to put in my music. You know, it's 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 so good. And I wonder if the music video is on iTunes, so that'll pop up. Anyway, I'm and f- speaking of music, would you what uh, would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist from the movie? <laughs> I mean, I listen uh, to this album all the time. I do, yeah. And I and I found a vinyl copy of it the other day that was in pretty good condition. I hadn't spun that yet, but, um, oh gosh, what would I add to my life's playlist? I mean, <laughs> you could, I, I'm copping out and just saying the whole album. I guess I'm free or, Oh no, the very final, like listening to you. Um, that's a very religious, uh, and I mean that since sincerely, like a very religious moment for me and, uh, with the sun and everything. Uh, there's something about that, just really hooked me again when I rewatched it more so than it had before. Just in the fact that then it's repeated over the credits and I will just sit there just to listen to it. It's a very, and it's a, it's a pretty simple, um, you know, melody. And, but I think just with Roger Daltrey's vocal, and then I see that imagery in my head with the, you know, the sun rising and everything. Um, I would add that one. I also, in addition to everything else, but yeah. I also realized this time around because I was actually paying attention in Christmas mm-hmm. when Tommy opens up his president present and it's the nativity scene and everything. They go mm-hmm. into the first Noel. Yeah. Yeah. I had noticed I that like, recently. I was like, oh, that's so smart. I feel like you guys. I know. Yeah. Anyway, Tyler, we're done with the episode. Are we now? What do you have to plug or promote um <laughs> i don't have anything right now but if people want to follow me uh 
and my obsessions and what I'm doing. The best way to do that is Instagram. So just Tyler Henry actor, because I think the Hollywood medium already took the Tyler Henry, but uh, I was here first. But anyway, Tyler Henry actor, Instagram, that's probably the best way to, to keep up with me. And if you're part of the the Goodman production of Tommy and know if it's transferring to Broadway, I'd like to know. You can email me yes. at buttersongpod at gmail.com. I'm also yes. on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at buttersongpod. Um, I don't have another question to ask the people. But, but mm-hmm. if you want to be part of next episode's conversation, it's serendipitous and i hope this still stays because who knows what's going to happen in the future but jim evans is coming back next episode to talk about another ken russell movie uh listomania tyler thank you so much for uh i guess forcing me to watch this movie (laughs) like you didn't love it like i absolutely do i mean i love this movie um thank you so much everyone listening and bye for now bye special thanks to justin johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to nick bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast and thank you to Castbox for hosting this podcast bye again everyone and have a musical day